Alright, what's up guys? We're uh, hitting up Season 3 recap for Game of Thrones. Gearing up for uh, Season 8. Big old, big old final season. So we've uh, we've got a special guest tonight here. We're uh, popping his podcast cherry, uh, Filthy Phil, who uh, is not on Twitter. So you can follow him on Instagram where he makes some, uh, some enjoyable pictures with his headshots. What's your Instagram? Filthy Phil Bay Bay. So look him up if you uh, need a laugh. So we're uh, getting him on here. He uh, watches Thrones. He actually just started reading the books. So some of this shit's going to confuse the hell out of him. Uh, but let's get right to it. So uh, season three, um, I mean, characters that you kind of you kind of get another Barristan Selmy. He kind of gets a big role compared to uh, where he's been at. Um, big thing with him is Danny. You know, you see another assassination attempt. Right. He kind of introduces himself as a knight in shining armor. Right. Comes out of nowhere. Kind of, it's this weird scene with, what, like a scorpion? Some weird-ass looking bug, like bright colored yeah. thing. And a little girl with black teeth looks all disheveled, kind of strange looking. So, yeah, you have that. And that's where he kind of shows up out of nowhere and joins her, pledges his loyalty to her and... He's like an older guy, kind of. You, I don't know that he's really related to anybody. You said that he was. No, he was in the, uh, the the King's Guard. The King's Guard for like forty years, basically. Under Joffrey. And yeah, he's dismissed by Joffrey, like basically, which shouldn't happen because once you're in the King's Guard, you're in the King's Guard, and Joffrey just dismisses him, so that he's just kind of gaining re- like relevance again. But from uh, from last season, Stan is still licking his wounds. You uh you get to see a lot more development of Davos's character this season. Um, he learns to read. Yeah, he learns to read by uh, <laughs> kill Melisandre. Yeah, he tries to kill Melisandre, so he's imprisoned by uh, Stannis. So you get to see a lot. He's got a, obviously got a lot of downtime. So you you get introduced really to to Stannis's daughter Shireen, who has grayscale. So she's kind of like more of an outcast. She's definitely not like. She doesn't get the the prestige of being the princess like she like a normal kid would be if Stannis is yeah. making this rightful heir to yeah, the throne. Yeah, so they show that too. They show uh, Stannis's actual wife. I think is the first time that she's introduced, and apparently she's cool with the whole Melisandre thing. Even if he hooks yeah, up with just her, banging away, and she has yeah, I think what jars right? She has jars of yeah, like their embryos. Yeah, which, which is, is very yeah, weird. You see yeah. that she's weird. She's all for it. It's weird. She's all for Stannis coming to power. It's just, it's a whole, it's a weird thing. But the big thing there is like, like I said, we said Davos learns to read. You know, you kind of get, you get to see more of like, of his human side. Like you can tell he feels really bad for Shireen and, and stuff like that. But then the big thing with the uh, Red Witch is, you know, she bangs Gendry, who's right. of the Baratheon bloodline. She uses uh, some leeches to get uh, some of his blood to do some blood magic. And basically, she curses, you know, his three ma- three main rivals, which are Rob Stark, Joffrey, and uh, Balon Greyjoy. And we'll get into kind of one of the th- one of those people dies, but we'll get into that because that's one of like the biggest scenes of the entire uh, season, entire right? season. Yeah. So the uh, the Lannisters, they're uh, you know still soaking up the sunshine up at the top. They're in power with the uh, the Tyrells. You really kind of get to see Elena Tyrell a little bit, and you, I think. I don't really know if you know how how big of a character she's gonna be, but you already like her. Like they have, you know, they show that conversation with uh, Marjorie and Sansa, where she's basically like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a pawn. Like I'm gonna protect my family, and you don't really know what that means yet. So they want her to be blunt. They bring Sansa in and want her to be, you know, what, 
what kind, what of, kind of king is Joffrey? Exactly. Yeah, they and be. then she's like, no, tell me what you really think of him. And she basically says that he's a terrible cop. He's a monster. Like I've been they, so, her, they put her under her wing. Pretty much. And that's, you kind of, I mean, Sansa doesn't really have that big, big of a, a play in this season. But that's the one big thing is you kind of, they use her to introduce Elena a little bit. So a uh, big other, big thing for the Lannisters is Jamie is uh really getting the shit kicked out of him this season. You you kind of go into, and we'll go into a lot of this, like about his character development, but basically um, you get a lot of time with him and Brienne and you kind of get to see a more human side of him because he's literally getting the shit kicked out of him. Big thing with that is, you know, you see that he stops Brienne from getting raped and in the aftermath of that is him getting his hand chopped off, which right. is a very big deal because he's supposed to be a master swordsman. Right. Sword so that's that's huge. And then, you know, just everything else is kind of developing. I mean, there's a lot of shit that happens on the way, but it's more Jamie, Jamie becoming more human, and you get to kind of see more of Brienne. You kind of one big thing with him is the whole. I think at least in this season, and it's not like an action scene or something like that. It's the conversation where they're in the bathtub, where he really goes into the Kingslayer story. Right. And that's where up until this point, he's pretty much you've been told that he stabbed the king in the back, and it's like the most dishonorable thing that could possibly happen, but. As they're having these conversations, he's going into it. And he's basically telling you that he begged the king to surrender. The Lannister army was about to be defeated by the Baratheons. That they were the only ones standing in the way of the whole city being sieged. So he begs for him to surrender. Right. So he makes a big thing about telling about the what's the the fire called? The pyromancer. The, the wildfire. wildfire. Yeah. That that he's had made the he has a personal pyromancer who's had it. Placed everywhere around the city, apparently. Everywhere. everywhere. Even under the Red Keep, where right. they stay. Right. Like, he's so, a psychopath. So, yeah, so Jamie mentions that, and I don't I don't know if, if, if he's telling him, you know, essentially, this is the last resort, and you better surrender now, or, you know, everybody's going to die. Yeah, and that's not what the Mad King wants to do. And, and he goes into, it's a very, very descriptive conversation that he has it's with Brian. First time you see him really vulnerable. Yeah, like he really opens yeah. up. Like and he starts it with saying like, you know, I see I I know that look. I've seen it for for years. You know, you despise me. But then he really opens up and he explains to you what happened. Right. And so basically the gist of it is this dude just wants to burn people alive. They're about to die. Jamie doesn't want this shit to happen. He begs for him to surrender. Well, then Tywin of course makes a power move for his family. Switches sides. As soon as the gates are opened by the Mad King, he storms the city. Jamie once again begs him, surrender. And then at that point, he demands that Jamie bring him Tywin's head. Right. And then he immediately wants to start setting off the wildfire. So Jamie kills the pyromancer. The Mad King turns around to run away, stabs him in the back to end it. He literally like talks about how he wanted to be burned alive with everyone else, and how Jamie wasn't going to let innocent children and he women be born as a dragon. Yeah, that's the big thing. Is he he thinks he if he dies in a fire, he's going to be reborn as a dragon because of the Targaryen bloodline. So then Jamie has a really chilling line where he says that he goes, "I slit his throat just to make sure that that didn't happen." But basically, you you really get to see like kind of his human side. You hear that's the first time you hear the the whole story, like Jamie's side of the story. And, and all of that. So it was a, a very big season for him. Even you, you get a lot of good out of it, even of all the bad that came with him. Yeah. Um, but then the, the obviously the uh the the real big real big action here was the Red Wedding. Yeah. And that uh I had not read anything. Like I make sure that I don't see spoilers and stuff before the shows come out and I hadn't read the books. 
So I had no idea that the Red Wedding was coming. I watched that with uh, my brother-in-law, and like I remember right after the the show, that particular episode ended, we went outside, and he's just like, so, thoughts? And I'm just like, dude, I'm speechless. Like, I had no idea that was coming. My jaw dropped. The thing that I I remember more vividly than anything is the fact that, you, like, you see all these events leading up. Like, you see all of a sudden the doors close. You hear the music the change. And it's, yeah, and it's the I Lannister it's song. Called. Yeah. And then as Catelyn Stark's sitting there with Roose Bolton at the table, she pulls his sleeve back and you see that there's chain mail. Right. And he's not drinking wine. So it's like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, when you see the knife come out, you're like, oh shit, they're going to kill Rob's bride. And what they end up doing is so much worse. Just stabbing her right in the belly because she's pregnant. Like that was, you're just like, holy shit, dude. Multiple times too. Yeah, just like viciously. And then everything else just goes off from there and it just becomes a, a clusterfuck basically and everybody's getting killed. Catelyn, she yeah, that part. She that part begs, blew my mind. Yeah, she begs. She takes Walter Frey's wife just with a knife to her throat. You can kills see. Her and they still kill her. Like, the great thing is like she knows that she's going to die. And even care. though she's begging for Rob's life, like she knows... That that she's not going to survive. So like after she slices uh, Walter Frey's wife's throat, like yeah. you can just see it on her face, and then boom, she's cutting. They didn't care about her. That wife gone. And I guess one big thing to talk about with her, I guess, is that whole uh, the resurrection of her in the books and stuff like that. And I've heard people asking if she's going to be coming back in season eight. Like, are we finally going to see her? And it's like, no, dude. Like, yeah, I, don't I, don't think think that, so. I don't think the show's going to bring her back at this point. But you never know. So, um, <laughs> big thing with that, uh, obviously two of the Starks are dead. King of the North is dead. Um, right, so so what that means is there's really nobody in the North to lead because we talked about Bran heading North. So there is, and even after Tyrion takes over uh, in the last season, there's really no Stark in the in Winterfell to be the what, what do they call him what's the the title warden of the north warden of the north it's kind yeah. of when bruce bolton takes over right yeah he kind of, he's he's, he's warden of the north warden after the, the red, wedding. red wedding yeah for what he did and the, yeah, obviously the he, big yeah, the big sends, line for he him sends is ramsey home to deal or head back to winterfell to deal with uh and shut down theon yeah so after rob's dead there's really and brand's gone he headed north there's really nobody in Winterfell, a very good play. Him. I mean, as much as you hate him for the shit that he did, it's a really smart play for Roose Bolton to. Uh, he's it's a very opportune time for him to swoop in and save Winterfell, and then to betray the Starks and and to take Winterfell. So it's a good power play on on his behalf. Um, Arya, she's on her way to the twins with the Hound. Um, you get to meet uh, Beric Dondarrion, and you get to see another. The other guys with the fire, um, similar to like the Red Witch, so you can kind of see that that's obviously there's there's some important there's a lot of importance to it, but you don't really know exactly why. Um, Rob getting killed also is kind of tied into the Red the Red Witch and her her way of like cursing them. So you get to see, like I said, Beric Dondarrion, the brothers. Remember, that, remember how that how messed up that was when. You see Arya in the streets with uh, on the horse with uh, the hound. And she sees like the the horse coming out with like Rob's body and the headless the, the, the headless the dire body. Wolf dies they too. kill yeah, yeah they kill the dire wolf and they put 
it's the head, head, it's head on Rob's, on Rob's body. body. So and it's like very dis- out in the streets. Very, very like, disrespectful. It's, very, it's so, really messed up. Like the Stark females are just at this point psychologically fucked up. Yeah. Like beyond oh, imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Like the shit that they've seen that's happened to their family, like brothers yeah, their and dads. Die, their brother died. Like just terrible. And she gets there at the tail end of that. Yeah. yeah. And sees that. So, and, but yeah, like leading up to that. Down, take off. The big thing with that is you get to see, you know, with the Hound and the brother, Brotherhood Without Banner, um, he has a trial by combat for his crimes that Arya basically called him out on. He kills Beric Dondarrion, and then Beric Dondarrion's brought back to life. So that's like the first time that you see like someone someone comes back to life by this, this blood magic. Well, yeah, and he has a fire sword, too. Well, it's yeah. not the first time, either, because you can see all the... Scars it's the first time them. we see we it. See it like, like on you camera, just see yeah, it's happened. All those yeah, so you know it's not just scars. like a, it's not a one-time thing. Like it's happened a lot. He's died a lot. So the that's hound does that's overcome big. him even with the fire sword. Yeah, which is yeah. a big thing too because you you see that the hounds obviously scared of fire. You saw yeah. it with the Battle of Blackwater Bay, yeah. and then you see it with Beric Dondarrion again. So that uh that pretty much that scene's just I think kind of like to to show you that someone can be brought back to life, which obviously comes into play with Jon Snow later on. Um, but you also kind of get to see more development with the Hound and Arya, and he once again, he's not this monster that we saw at the beginning of the show. Now he's taking care of her, so he gets her the fuck out of town yeah. to uh, save her life. Um, and then the only other like thing that's really going on with all this, you know, you got Danny and John still. So John's north of the Wall. Um, you get to see his old buddy Sam again. He uh, takes Gilly. You get to see her. She's uh, one of Craster's daughters. She had a son, Wife. Sam Tate, or wives and daughters. Sorry <laughs> if uh, I don't mean to forget the uh, whole incest uh, theme that we we have running with Thrones. So Sam takes off with Gilly. Uh, big thing here is he kills a White Walker, like one of the biggest wusses in the whole show. He's yeah. a coward. Gets to kill a White Walker. He's and known he as a coward. The, the dragon glass, and that's the dragon glass. That so we found the little cache of it at uh, the camp when they set up camp. Far Camp the of the North. First Men or whatever yeah. it was. So that's big because now we get to see that a White Walker can be killed by Dragonglass, so you know that. Um, on his way back up to the Wall with Gilly and the baby, they run into Bran, who we said was north of the Wall. He's searching for the Three-Eyed Raven. Big scene in this, like, and very important thing, like, moving forward is you kind of start to see how powerful Bran can really be. So they're getting chased. They're up in this tower. It's storming. Hodor's going ape shit, just losing his mind, and then Bran takes control of Hodor and calms him down. So that you really get to see that, you know, his power is escalating quickly from where he was at the beginning of the season. And, you know, he takes control of Hodor, so that's big moving forward. Um, then you get up to the wall. John is uh you know, still captured by the wildlings. You're really getting to see him fall in love with Agreed. Right. Um, he meets Mance Raider, who's leading the wildling army, and he informs them that they're about to attack the wall. So John basically, you know, he betrays Agreed, takes off towards the wall. She shoots him with a couple arrows. Yeah, could that have killed great. him. It parts yeah, great. Could have killed him, but yeah. like they do a great job of like showing like how how much pain she was in of him doing that. Like she understands why he did it. But she didn't see that coming. So he's on his way back up to the wall. Um, there's really, I mean, honestly, like with with Cersei, like there's not a whole lot going on with her other than um, just basically being jealous of Marjorie Tyrell the entire season. Um, yeah, she's kind of getting pushed out. 
people and it's the first time from you know from what I saw that Joffrey looks good in public or they make Joffrey look good is when he's with Marjorie the people are like actually cheering for him and stuff and they, they you, love her yeah and you see so you've seen Joffrey go through you know he had what mud thrown at his face and he had all shit. those people it shit. shit it was shit okay was shit. so he had all those people killed and like a riot broke out in the street so you know people hate Joffrey so it's the first time you see him with her and like people not really hating him as much and it's the first real time that you see seriously like worried yeah like you can see that with Marjorie getting more of she seems of to his know favor. how to play the game yeah she's losing control yeah yeah you she you really like see it. that Marjorie is a threat to to Cersei's power of controlling the king so that's big um I mean, other than that, like you've got Danny. She's she's on actually one of her seasons where she's not getting the shit kicked out of her this season. Um, you get introduced, like we said, it to Barris and Selmy. That's a big pickup for her. Right. That's a guy that knows a lot about you know knighthood, like fighting all that stuff. Like he's a very intelligent guy, so he's big big on her behalf. Um, you also get to in- introduce into Dario of the Second Sons. Um, basically, he cuts off. The other leader's heads gives them to her when he's supposed to go assassinate her, and you see like him pledge himself to her. Right. So she gets the second sons, but then she also gets the unsullied army, which is still big up until you know even now, yeah, like season eight. Like yeah. that's that's pretty much where she gets her power from is the unsullied army. Yeah, it's the first time Grey Worm is introduced as yeah. well. I think she wants to start you get to, the slaves. Yeah, you get uh, Masande and Grey Worm now. Yeah. So her pretty much her crew is together. <clears throat> not exactly where it is in season eight, but she's getting the people like she's finally coming into power. She's finally got an army now. Her dragons continue to get bigger. So big thing is she's an asked poor. She's uh she's trying to get the unsullied army. But basically the deal that she makes is she's gonna trade one of her dragons for this entire army. Right. This is one of like the big badass scenes that you get out of her. She gets that little statue that controls the unsullied armor. She kinda makes them March just to make sure they'll listen to her, not the other guy. And then at that point, this dude starts speaking in Valyrian, has no idea that Danny can understand him at this point. And he says something like, Tell this bitch her dragon won't won't listen. And she says, you know, that uh, a dragon's not a slave or whatever, and she speaks Valyrian, it's her native tongue, and he's just kinda like, Oh shit and then she turns around, she tells the unsullied, kill the masters. But then you also kind of see more of exactly how she operates. She tells him not to kill anybody innocent. Like, don't kill any children or right. anything like the that. Dragon, like... And then she says, Dracarys, and torches the guy. So she's on a high right now. From there, she goes to Nunkai, and she frees all the slaves there. So she's kind of becoming this conqueror, basically. And she's she's at, like we've discussed in the other seasons, she kind of has the ups and downs, but she's mostly gotten the shit kicked out of her. She's on her way up now. So things are looking are looking good for her. All right. So the only other big thing we didn't really talk about in this season is you get to see kind of more of the development of the the evil, sadistic side of Joffrey. So one of the characters that we don't really talk about because she's not around that long and she doesn't really play a big role at all is Roz. So she's a whore. She's involved with some of the main characters that are still around, like you know Theon, Littlefinger. Um, Tyrion. She's basically, Littlefinger finds out that she's an informant for Tyrion. So the punishment is she gets handed over to Joffrey. And in season three, you get to see Joffrey. She's tied up on the bed. Um, He just shoots her with a crossbow. Yeah. And it's, 
like I said, even though she's not a big character, it's still fucked up because she's been involved with, with the show and then he just kills her like an animal. Like basically ties her up yeah. like a dog. Kind of shows and you shoots where her. Joffrey's go- what his He's just, trajectory is as yeah. a king. Like, and with all of this, like you see, I think the main kicker on that is you get to see, like we were discussing with Marjorie, he's he's becoming, you know, more favorable to the public. They're starting you're starting to see this other side of him, like a softer side of him. And then boom, he turns around and does this shit. Right. And it's just like, oh yeah, there's literally no hope for this kid whatsoever. He's just an evil little cunt. That's all there is to it. <laughs> and he really is. That's the sad part. It's, it's almost just, like he's going to just be a, come another shitty king who's going to yeah. torture people. And yeah, pretty much. Like, it's very similar to Once Matt he comes king. age, he, he's going to yeah. be a shithead. He's, he's already there. And this is the first first kill that he gets on his own hands, and you don't know you how bad he can get from there. More and more. It's just every home. every time you see him, you just you you loathe seeing him and he did such a good that actor did such a good job of playing that guy that you would just fucking hate I hated him so like we were kind of discussing like seriously she really doesn't she doesn't make any power moves this this season she's just more like her Sansa and like they're just moping is what they're doing same thing with Tyrion pretty much like they're just moping for the most part because they're these arranged Weddings that they don't want to take part in, and they're not really doing anything other than just kind of setting back for the other big events that are going on. Which I feel like in this season is a lot more character development, like especially like we were talking with Jamie. Like you really get to see that he's not just an asshole. Like he starts being an asshole in that hot tub or the bathtub conversation with Brienne, but then he immediately apologizes. And you like you haven't seen a Lannister apologize to anybody at all for anything. So you're seeing that, yeah, he's a Lannister and he's done some some shitty stuff like with pushing Bran out of the tower, but you really get to see more of of the human side for him. And this is even after, like, when he loses his hand, that's fucking huge. And you feel terrible for the guy because that's what he's known for. Right. And now what the hell is he going to do? And then even after that, you know, he still, he fights the bear off with Brienne. He's having these conversations even after all this shit's happened where they're making him drink piss. They just they're treating him to piss off Brand so you see her butt. Yeah, like, I mean, I mean honestly, and that's <laughs> she's a big girl. She, she's yeah. I would never make fun of her ass to her because she could no. probably throw me through my roof. She's, but you really, I mean, cool. you get to they're just kind of slowly bringing her in too, and you get to with with her and Jamie, you really get to see a lot more screen time of her. But it really opens up Jamie like more of the the human right. side of Jamie, and you rarely actually like. You feel really bad for the guy. Yeah, it's almost like he wanted he wanted someone to understand what the hell he went through, and he wasn't you know the the asshole that everybody thought the whole time because he's had the name since then. That, that's Slayer. a really good. That's a and really, nobody really movie. understands. Yeah, why? That's and that's the crazy thing about Thrones. Like after you've watched like four or five seasons, and you really start to dive into like the the little scenes. Like after you watch them once or twice. The first time you watch it, it's pretty much like, holy shit, like I'm being blown away. And then after, when you watch it like the second or third time, you really start to see these other conversations and stuff like that. And that conversation, I believe, is like six minutes out of ten episodes. But that six minutes showed you so much more about Jamie than you've seen anywhere before. And, I mean, really almost more than what you'll see from him from there on out. Like that conversation is pretty much where you realize that He's not this evil guy. Like he's, he's he wants to be he wants to be a good guy. 
But who's the common denominator and all that? As soon as he gets back to Cersei, it's right, right back to like here we fucking go again. So it's like it's it's fun to see how he is without Cersei and when how he is when he's with her. I think Brienne kind of is the same kind of person he is because she's so honorable and doesn't give up a lot of her. She's not very vulnerable, and then you kind of start to see it, and they start bonding over there. That's I think we talked about on the last podcast how yeah. it's it's cool how they put you know she's this big is like so 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 honorable, and then he is dishonorable. He's the king slayer. So this season you really get to see just I mean honestly have through that goal. conversation that yeah they're not that that different. And he even asks her when he's talking about that like if if Renly told you to kill your father. And bring him his head. Would you do it? Would you let Renly burn thousands and thousands and thousands of innocent people? Like, no, you wouldn't. Like, yes, what I did was fucked up, but I did it for a good reason. Right, to save more people's lives. Yeah, he saved, he tarnished his entire legacy to save everybody. Basically. I mean, not everybody, but how many innocent people would have died? So, you know, like, there's obviously... He's got a code of conduct of some sort that that he lives he's by. He's going to take care of his family first, and then... Yeah. I mean, he's... But the, you also see that he's not Tywin. Like, Tywin, you just heard that he pretty much just jumped, jumped ship and was like, all right, we're losing. My family's not yeah. going to die. I'm not going <laughs> to die for this crazy bastard. And he loves Let's Tyrion. jump with the Baratheons. Jamie loves Tyrion he does. so much. It's amazing. You get a lot of fun conversations with them, especially later on. Um, yeah, I mean, Lannister's still sitting pretty. Tywin's the uh, king of the hand now. Um, <clears throat> I believe Tyrion gets a uh, master of coin yeah. in that in this uh, season. You uh, you really kind of get to see that he's he's so much different than than his brother and sister still, and especially his dad. He's got a heart. Yeah, he he won't sleep with uh, Sansa after they get married. He gets shit faced. Basically, Tywin tells him to. It's time to consummate the, the wedding, but he stopped drinking. But he uh, he won't do it. So I mean, that's that's kind of fun to get to see the interaction there because he's the first person, especially with the last name Lannister, that was human to Sansa. So she's pretty much been like, like I said earlier with Arya and Sansa. They've seen some some fucked up shit. Right. So neither one of them really wanted to go through with it, but at least. I don't know. At least Sansa probably thought it was better than Joffrey, yeah, right? Yeah, it's better than Joffrey. For sure. And, I mean, yeah, it sucks for her because it's still embarrassing for her because she gets to marry the imp. Right. But it's like he's at least human and he right, cares. That's he genuinely cares now. about people. Yeah. Yeah. And, you, I mean, Elena, like, you really... You don't know what she's going to do for the show at that point, but you see that she's a very strong character and she's going to cause mm. problems for the yeah. Lannisters moving forward. She's the, yeah. a lot of behind the scenes. Yeah, she's like the first one that you really kind of think like she could she could possibly throw a wrench in the, yeah, in the Lannister nice plans. Yeah, you enjoy it because Joffrey's still a king and he's a little fucker. And we all hate him. Just like, just Everyone hates him. For good reason. <laughs> um, one thing we didn't talk about really in the depth because we wanted to kind of save it for more of like the character analysis part of the, the people that are still alive in season eight this is where you really... Shit gets bad for Theon. Like, he's done some fucked up shit leading up to this. Lying about killing the Stark kids. You know, take trying to take Winterfell for himself. 
he really gets put through the ringer this this season. Yeah. And it's like it's not just physical torture, which there's a ton of that. There's a ton of physical torture. But psychologically he's just broken this season. He's just destroyed. I rem- I will never forget Ramsey. Like of all the shitty things he's done, when he breaks Theon out, and you don't know what's going on at the time, but like you think, oh shit, he's getting broken out finally. Yeah. They go through all this shit. And he literally leads Theon right back to his dungeon. Yeah, in a circle, pretty much. Yeah, right back to where he was. And it's just like, that's what more could you possibly do to break someone's spirit? You show them, yeah. like, I'm, I'm going to help you escape. See, and this is boom, really the right beginning of, of Ramsey Snow, too, before you really know who he is. I guess you know, well, do you even really know that that's Bolton's uh, bastard son? I don't think The you only do. reason you know is because, because he says, Bolton says, yeah, he I'll says, I'll send Ramsey. Take, yeah, yeah but they're still referring to him as Ramsey Snow. He's right. not Ramsey Bolton. Um, but dude just, he And he you start to hate this dude up. right away. Oh, right away, you know he's fucked up. Cuts off Theon's dick. Yeah. Sends it back to uh, his family, right? In the Iron Island, Keeps and as he does this, yeah, as he does parts. this, he's eating a big sausage, like taunting Theon while he's doing it, and you can just tell that this dude is a complete sociopath. Yeah, like he you don't have his own horror movie, like yeah, yeah, pretty, yeah just, pretty much from the beginning, you could tell. Yeah, he's he's straight nuts. He's the only person. He makes Hannibal Lecter look like the Yeah, he's the only person, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but he's the only person on this entire series that you'll hate more than Joffrey. Well, it's, I mean, it's close. But, yeah, they're they're both on the same level, I guess. Just sadistic. He's, yeah, but, I think he's what Joffrey would have ended up being. Right. If Joffrey it, I mean, he would be worse than age. Joffrey if he had Joffrey's power, I guess. Oh, for sure. But he's just, uh, you know, he doesn't really gain power any kind of substantial power until later on. But, yeah, he... But you just see the little things of his power. And yeah, what he can he'll do. Take it. Right. Yeah, imagine if he had the crown or some shit or his dad was king. What kind of shit he'd be keeping. worse than any king before him. Yeah, this is... Yeah, a, that's the weird part. I don't think his dad realizes till later on how fucked up he really no. is. I mean, you know he's heard shit, but it's like he doesn't put any merit in it until he starts I mean, getting closer and seeing what he's doing for himself. They are the flayed... Man, yeah, know. that dude just, <laughs> it's its really bad news for Theon. It's a really dark season because you get to see, you know, Jamie take his licks, and then you get to see what happens to Theon, and it's big because it ends up just breaking him down Becomes so bad mentally that, that Ramsey names him yeah. Reek. Like, yeah. he's fucked the guy up so bad mentally that he says, your name's no longer he Theon. He becomes Rejoy. like a dog. You're like, Reek. He's a dog. Like, you're my pet. Yeah. You're not my servant, you're my pet, and your name's Reek. Alright, so, I mean, really, the Starks, they, uh, they've they continued the trend that uh, has started pretty much since Ned died. They, uh, they're still dispersed, and they're still getting their asses handed to them. Yeah. Um, they take big, big hits, you know, and Rob and uh, Catelyn dying. So, the the heads of the household are completely dead. Rob is dead. Right now, so right now what we know is Arya is gone. No one knows where she is. You would just presume she's dead. Right. Rob is dead. Catelyn's dead. Ned's dead. Sansa's still basically being held prisoner at King's Landing with the marriage to Tyrion. And Jon's up at the wall. And Bran. 
and Bran, Bran and Rickon are dead. And it's like, you know... They've been burned alive by... by uh, right, that's, yeah. That's so, Starks uh, are like the epitome of like all that is good in Game of Thrones at the beginning of the season. And they're getting their asses handed yeah, to them every time we turn hard. around. So you get to see, like, John. you know, he's had his battles with wanting to, you know, go back on his his vows with the Night's Watch, especially when Ned dies. He wants to come back and march and go back for revenge, but he stays up there. Um, you know, you, you get to see him fall in love, and he does break his vows because they're not supposed to have sex with anyone right. or anything like that, but he's in love with the Greek. Um, you really like her character. You enjoy, like, those two interacting together, um, but you also get to see his honor. Like, yeah. you know, he's with the Night's Watch, and even though he's in love, he can't, he can't yeah, watch his brother's Yeah, you see that at the very die. end. That's kind of cool because it's like you said, he almost left when Ned died, um, and he almost rethought the whole thing. But at the very beginning, he was kind of, like, pumped. And, like, he talks to Tyrion about it in the first season. He Like, he's almost pumped to go to Castle Black and, like, take the vows or take the black or whatever it's called. And at this point, he's kind of, you know, he meets a Ygritte. He sleeps with her. So it's kind of, you think like, no, this dude, you know, this dude will never last. This dude will never, you know, stay in the Night's Watch for that long. And then to see him betray her pretty much, she peppers him with a few arrows as he rides off. But he really does, like, he he, he realizes that he's the only one that can inform them of this attack, this oncoming attack that's coming. And and he, he decides to help them out. You pretty much, you don't, you don't know what direction he's actually going. Exactly. Like, you think that at this point, like, this whole season, you're you thinking, think he's like, a he's man. deep yeah. in the wildling shit now. Like, he's in love with her. There's no way he's going back to the Night's Watch. But he kept his word to... But he did. To, he kept he kept his vows. To Mormont. Like, and he goes back to save him. So you get to see that he's definitely got Ned's blood in him. He doesn't, he doesn't necessarily operate off of emotion to the extent that Rob does. Right. And that's what gets Rob killed, is running off emotion so you see him at least like no matter that he's in love and all this other shit's going on he still has to protect the night's watch and he wants to wants to do the right thing um aria she pretty much it's it's a it's a journey for her you know her whole thing is getting with the hound and you kind of get to see more of his human side but only thing that she gets out of this season is gets to see her brother's dead corpse right around. So you know that she's in a bad place mentally. What's, you know, but it's funny because she always wanted to see the Hound die. That was yeah. one of her names on his on her list of people she was going to kill. Was and the he hound. ends up saving her. So that's and that's interesting. And the other thing that you get to think about with the Hound is he's saving Arya right now. He he offers to take Sansa yeah. out of the city in season two after he flees from the Battle of Blackwater Bay right after that where all the the flames and shit like that happens. So he was drunk then, but yeah, that's yeah, still that's but still he's still counts. he's yeah. he's still he's tried to save like when he first gets introduced he's with the Lannisters and you hate him because he's tied in with Joffrey, but now he's tried to save both the Stark girls. So there's clearly still good in him, you know, and that whole good and evil thing. So you kind of get to see more of his character. The show's so good at like just making you believe people are human beings and seeing they're they're actually good. But I think they do a great job Most of people, like, yeah, especially yeah. with like with Jamie. You st- you see the, the going from the asshole to being human side. You get to see with John this whole time. You're thinking that he's gonna betray the Night's Watch. 
and he turns back around. But then you've got like the Joffrey situation where you see him really, he's kind of starting to get that positive side and then he backtracks and goes to the more evil side and you start to hate him more. So it's, it's nice that they introduce like the, the, the more light lighter side of, of their characters. But at the same time, this isn't like a season of triumph whatsoever. There's a lot of dark, disturbing shit going on. Yeah. With the other characters, so it's interesting. And then, like, while all this other dark shit's going on, you finally get to see Daenerys take her eyes, and that's big in in this season. As you get Dario, who is with her, you know, that becomes a ride or die. Right. You get the awkward shit he, with Jorah. He Mormont. becomes yeah the love interest kind yeah, of. Yeah, and you get to you get to her. see that weird shit with Jorah where he's in love with her, and he realizes like, oh, I'm upset. She doesn't want the old man. She wants right. this young guy who's an assassin. I'm heartbroken. Yeah, it's like, a, what did you expect to happen, zone. man? Yeah, yeah. So it's like you're pledged, 100% yeah. friends. He's pledged his life to her, and, you know, he's just... He wanted some booty, and now he he's finally realizing that, it, that it's not going to happen. So she's she's really she's really at a high. You know, you get the Unsullied, who we didn't really go into, but they're all, uh, they've all had their, uh, their meat and two veg pretty much trimmed. So they're, there's <laughs> nothing on. left. So they're pretty much, their only purpose is to kill and be soldiers and serve. So... She's definitely that's huge because they're you don't really hear about them much, but you know that they're a a very very highly regarded army. Yeah, and then trained you, from their kids. To... Basically, you get to see Danny the Conqueror start to kind of make her way here. She's gotten past you know losing Drago and losing her her army. She's got a new army. She really her dragons are getting starts bigger. Starts becoming this fierce woman who's and you you really get to see that she's not gonna she's not gonna bend on she's her, not her ideology. Around. No, she's not basically like I said. You get to see Danny the Conqueror really start. She's finally got her army. Yeah, her she's not a kid anymore. Bigger I guess and bigger. from what yeah. they they try to show in the first season how young she is and how vulnerable with her brother and all that shit. She's really the one taking control now, and she's the one in charge. I guess. Especially freeing all the slaves, like do, like doing all this stuff that, you know, I guess a a good conqueror would do, is kind of something I, I you didn't see, you couldn't see in the first season she like had, at all. Like an Alexander the Great, she's just yeah. coming through and <laughs> just kicking ass and taking names, taking names, and slaves and people being who they are. Yeah, it's 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 nice for her. You finally get to see her her on her way up instead of just getting a positive and then. You know, two steps forward, ten steps back type of deal. So you get to see that. She does get really strong. You really get to see, like we were talking about, you know, last season with the whole brand thing, you really get to see that he could be very powerful with the whole Hodor thing. Where And, you know, I mean, we didn't go into Hodor. Hodor is basically a simple-minded beast who uh, carries around Bran the entire time. That's literally his only purpose is to serve Bran at this point. So... For Bran to take him, it's not like he took over a normal human with a normal mental capacity. Hodor is very simple, but it's still it's very big that you see him do that. And it's not like it's something that he's practiced. It's just in the heat of the moment. Right. Boom, he can comes through. into a human. Yeah, so that's that's huge. You really, from that point, you're like, okay, so he's definitely he's, going to be very, very, very powerful. You start to understand what he's capable of. And you start to be like, oh... He might be able to do way fucking more than he can ever do. And he's in a much better position, too, like, than he was previously, because now it's not just Rickon, Bran, um... Osha? Osha and Hodor. Now they've got Jojen and Mira, who Mira, she's... 
I think when you look at, like, she plays off of Osha very well. Osha's the wildling that's very just dark. Like, she's, you know, gone through some shit. Mir's more of the plays off of her, like, the, the Brienne and, and Jamie thing. They're, they're opposites, but they play well together because they're both, out of everybody there, they're the most physically capable right. of defending them yeah. if shit pops off. So you get that whole thing, and then Jojen, he's just kind of with Bran to get him to where he needs to be. So you kind of, I mean, I don't really remember ever really, really loving those characters. Like, it's it's cool to see Bran's story kind of progress, because all you've seen before is, you know, you see the visions of the Three-Eyed Raven, you don't really know what's going on, and they're the ones that kind of come in to, to get him to start to kind of progress his story into finding the Three-Eyed Raven. They yeah. find, you know, they're getting farther North and north. You really want to see what he's capable of. Yeah, especially it's fascinating as hell. Especially with the, with the Hodor thing, you're like, oh shit, this dude is super powerful, and that kind of yeah. Uh, with Bran's story, it's like it, it becomes more and more interesting, but nothing really happens. No, it's just and basically the same thing with Danny. Waiting, yeah, it's you're basically waiting on everybody else to kind of catch up to where they need to be to meet these guys, and now you're seeing the powers coming for both of them, for both Danny and Bran, but in very different ways he's that that really solidified the uh the professor x comparison that i had when he takes over hodor's mind so i was like okay this is definitely where we're going i mean he goes from animals to human beings and or half giants or whatever and you're like holy cow this dude's capable of a lot of things speaking of which this is totally off topic we fucking saw hodor at the bar earlier today yeah in dayton oh yeah Yeah, we were at uh harrigan's for saint patty's day i it blew my mind. Dude, wow. this dude's like Hodor. Like, <laughs> no joke. Him. I texted him. I was like, I just saw Hodor. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to tell him that because that guy would throw me through the tent and I'd break my neck on the porta potties 50 feet away. Like, this dude was nice. massive. We saw him a few times and we were like, yep, if there was a real Hodor, that's the dude right there. Hodor, for sure. Like, I just wanted to walk up to him and be like, Hodor, Hodor, but he was way too big to do that. But I digress. So... <laughs> I mean, it's pretty much the the wrap up is the uh, the Starks still getting their asses handed to them. Lannisters are still yeah, winning. Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about that real quick with Stark. So we talk about Rob. Is anyone going to point out the fact that Rob is the first person I believe on the show to marry for love, and that ends up costing him everything. That's and, true. And, yeah. and I get I get that you know that he he tries to make good on that because he knows what he's doing the whole fucking time. I don't know if it's the fact that the dude doesn't know how powerful his family is, especially in the North with the Freys and the Boltons and other people like that. But he he flat out knows that he is going against a, a, a like a, a peace that he's already made, uh, a, an agreement that he's already made with, with Walder Frey to marry one of his kids. So when he meets this other girl and they, you know, it's his decision, they decide to get married. So he knows the whole time that he is going against you know, what he has already agreed on as, you know, the, the warden of the North at that point. So I, I don't know if, if the show is meant to show that he's like a dumbass. No, he's and, definitely and not an idiot. He's not an idiot, you but see you see that he runs off emotion. Right. So yeah, in that, so yeah. maybe the show is supposed to, sh- to, to go how, yeah, he's so emotional and he actually is in love with this woman and he doesn't, I don't know if he doesn't think about the, the long-term effects that this may have, because he's at he's war. With his dude. He's at war. And you he, see he, some he's... of his Caitlyn coming out of him as his mother. Because Ned was so focused on things. And then he did something Ned would have never done. 
No. And you see Caitlyn come is. out of him. What what you said with Marianne for love, like this this season really solidifies the fact that no good deed goes unpunished. Rob marries for love. Like says fuck everything else. Like I don't care. Right, but that's like, still I want to do what makes that's me like happy. for him yeah. and that girl though. But, so that doesn't yeah. really he doesn't think yeah, about like but, I'm trying to lead an army but look south at of King's Landing. Look at what happens with Jamie. Jamie does makes a good deed, you know, with saving Brienne and then he loses his hand. Like this this season shows you that you can't necessarily always do the right thing or go with your heart. Because there are going to be terrible, terrible, right. terrible even, even the right thing to do has, you know, possible negative, you know, possible consequences. That's why the Lannisters always kind of get up on top. They just... They have the money, they, They'll always yeah. do they what the needs money to be and done. They do what the needs to be they're, done yeah, the right way. Yeah, they're always in a, a, a position of power to do that. But yeah. that was kind of... I found, you know, they, they didn't... They, they do. They make Rob seem like this 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 great, you know, battle guy. He He knows... He's almost as good as as Ned, and he's he's heading south with the whole you know northern bannermen behind him, and all these people that are will support him to avenge his father's death. And then like along the way, it just becomes like, oh, I'm just gonna marry this other girl that I actually love, and like you know who cares about this agreement that I had? And it really does. Like I guess he didn't realize, hopefully, the true impact that that would have. The, well, see, the fact that that would cause you know obviously he didn't know at that time it would cost him his life and. And to be fair, he tries to make up for it with Edmure. Yeah, so that's something we didn't get into. Trying, so Edmure. And, they, and they even, you know, they, they show that. And that's kind of a funny part in the show is they show Frey, all of his ugly-ass uh, daughters or whatever. And they show, okay, you never, I don't think they ever tell you which one John or uh, Rob is going to marry. But they show you which one Edmure is going to marry. And you're like, damn, this one looks all right. Yeah, like, so you're yeah. thinking like, oh, shit's going to work out We're very well. Like this yeah, show. Like Edmure, everybody this show, wins in this before, situation. Like before we go more into that Edmure situation, I think that this, like the Red Wedding, pretty much solidifies that you don't know what is going to happen in this show. You have no idea. Because like you're seeing like in any uh, anything else you watch, anything on TV or a movie – the good guy always comes out on top. Yes, they might take a hit along the way, but they always come out on top. This shows you with Rob because he makes you know the treaty and the pact with with Walter Frey that my cousin's gonna marry your daughter, and that'll be our peace treaty, and then everything will be all hunky dory afterwards. Yeah, it's and the, that's it's not the what anti happens. Superhero movie. Yeah, and they set you yeah. up. Everything they do, they set you up to believe that everything's gonna be fine, and then boom. It's not fine. It's worse than fine. It's way worse than you could possibly imagine. So you're set up like with what you're saying with Edmure and his wife. Like you see all these these not attractive women, and then all of a sudden he gets a hot one. And even yeah. you see on his face, he's like, "Oh shit! Like I fucking yeah. scored. <laughs> like I'm good to go." So they're like, "All right, get the get the 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 newlyweds out of here. Let's get them to their bedroom so they can start banging and make me a a son." But he was in on it the whole time. He's gone. He's not. He's kidnapped. So you don't even know like what happened with him. Like you, I guess you just assume that he's dead and he doesn't come into play till later on. Right, but, but the other person alive. that escapes is Blackfish, who you don't really know who he is yet. But he escapes. He's gone before the doors get locked and the slaughter happens. And the big line there is, you know, a Lannister always pays their debts. And that that whole thing goes right into. When Roose Bolton yeah. stabs yeah, Rob Stark, right before he does and he it. says the Lannisters send their regards. Yeah. So right then and there, like you're kind of like at least from watching it with not knowing what was going on in the books, I'm completely puzzled. Like I'm thinking this whole time, like 
this dude just did this. He acted independently on his own. Like, this is his idea. He was slighted by Rob, and he wants revenge. But then you see the Roos Bolton thing, too, and you're like, okay, there's other there's other players in the mix here. And then when he says that, that seals the deal. You know that the Lannisters are just hell-bent on fucking the Starks any way that they possibly can, and you realize that now the Lannisters have just gotten all of the North. Right, that, that's the one thing. You get rid of Rob, his, his bannermen don't know who to follow... You know, especially if Bolton's the king of the north now or the warden of the north, then they're just going to follow him because that's, you know, what they know. So you you eliminate any Stark movement into King's Landing to event. That, that's pretty much the anybody avenging Ned Stark's death, like, dies at that moment. Basically, the Starks are done. Right. At this point in the game, the Starks are dead in the water. They have They have no dog left in this fight. They're scattered. They have nothing. Right, and any thought of avenging Ned for anything is gone. At least you really get to see that the Lannisters are the ones controlling everything right now. But it just that scene, man. It just it'll and the thing that I remember about that scene more so than anything is the uproar that happened after uh, she gets stabbed in the stomach. And I remember watching the next week's episode. And when they show the the last like what happened in the last season, they wouldn't even show her getting stabbed in the stomach again. They just showed her sitting at the table, the guy pulling the knife, and then it goes to like Rob getting stabbed or whatever. You talking about HBO getting into a bunch of shit for that? Yeah, because Because it was so fucking brutal. She was pregnant and stuff too. So just it was. I've never yeah I've never seen anything like that like that that gory and just completely heartless. This season really takes you kind of into the, the the much darker side that you're going to continue to see you in Game down of Thrones. Yeah, <laughs> with the show, like it does. Like you're like, oh shit, what's going to happen? Like you don't have any sort of it's faith. Just pretty much like takes you just, to a very dark place. It does, uh, and you're just, just kind of like, like hoping some sort of sunlight's going to come. But every time you turn around, happen. every time you turn around, you're getting kicked in the sack. But it pretty much it just it stays with the the story of the Starks getting their asses handed to them. The Lannisters are are on top of the world. So you think? And Danny is finally making her her way up to the top. The uh, big a- deaths big deaths this season are obviously the Starks, Rob, Catelyn, Rob's wife. But then the other one too, the big big death there is the White Walker. You don't really get to see anything about that for a very long time moving forward. Yeah. But you see that. Whatever this creature is that we don't know much about yet, they can be killed. So you you think about that, and then you know when you see them later on in seasons down down the road, you don't grasp their number in this episode. So you immediately you're feeling you're at a high point because they, you know that they can die. They can be defeated. And if and the thing too is you're thinking if Sam can kill one, then Maybe how many him. can Jon Snow kill? You make a good point, though. It's probably the only time you ever see a White Walker by itself. Other than maybe the one that comes to pick up Craster's baby or whatever when that yeah. happens in season one or two. I forget when. But yeah, you never really see him because you don't know. I guess that's them setting up. You don't know what kind of numbers they have. You know, So they, you know, they show little bits of them here and there. It's like you see them, what, uh, marching on... Uh, Castle Black at the end of last season. Yeah, but you don't really know. You don't understand because at even even at the point where we're at in season going into season eight, 
nobody there's only a few people now that have ever seen that them, really ever, know yeah. what their numbers are and everything like that you hear from Melisandre that you know this isn't about the battle of the five kings this is about the battle of the living versus the dead but even from her like it's hard to put any weight into anything that she says because of all this weird shit that's going on yeah and you don't understand like there's a difference in like the wall north of the wall and then what's going on you know in the it's completely kingdoms, two know? completely different things going on and you you at this point in time you don't grasp the the magnitude of, of it's the taking it two different ways and you just don't know which you know, it's very confusing because there's so much interesting shit going on with each character that you don't know what is actually important and what isn't important it's when it gets you hooked Season all this does all I watched uh, when we were talking on the first podcast. I I binge watched season one and season two. Season three, I didn't watch every episode live like when it came on, but this is the season that I started watching it like as it was coming on. Yeah. And there's just there's certain moments that you just you'll never forget. And the red wedding was the first oh, one. Like boy. Ned, Ned didn't. I don't know if it was. What I remember about Ned Stark dying is I remember seeing all over Facebook little uh, pop. Uh, like little blow pop things with Ned Stark's head on sticks, and I I had never like read anything into it, so I didn't understand what was going on. Then when I watched season one, I was like, okay, I knew that Ned died already, but I the the way that it happened still shocked me. But I knew what had happened to him, and then when I saw like his head on a stake, that yeah. that all made sense. So I guess that kind of ruined some of the shock and awe for me for that. But it's still it's a it's a big move that they killed him off at that point in the season. Then the Red Wedding happens, and it's just like, holy shit. Like, I expected there to be one big battle scene or something like that this this season. Like, Battle of Blackwater Bay right. was in the season previously. And it's like, no, it's this. Like, completely out of the blue, had no idea it was going to happen. Shocked shitless. And it's just like, I've watched a lot of shows, but nothing has ever hit me like like this stuff has. Because they developed the characters so well that when one of them dies, especially... Like you were saying about Rob, he's this, you know, he's he's great in the battlefield and everything like that. So naturally, in anything else, if he is going to die, he's going to at least have an opportunity to defend himself. This, all that was taken away from him. Completely ambushed. No no one else is going to do that. You're not going to see that happen on, in a movie. Because if you went to a two-hour movie and you watched that, you'd be pissed. Right. It's like similar to like The Departed. Where you, you watch Leo the entire time and all of a sudden he gets a bullet in his head yeah. right at the end of the movie. Everybody completely the abrupt end. and it's like, holy shit, you yeah. just fucking killed him off after this? You've been watching these people for fucking seasons now. And they're just going to do this shit to him? Like they're always like the superheroes. Like the Starks to me are always like, yeah. like a superman. They're the main, they're the main characters. They're, you, they're the, yeah, they're they, the main they represent household. what's right and honorable and then every one of them die. Just getting their asses handed to them with like you're not used to seeing that. This just no. this season to me is like all right. This is not what everything else is. Yeah. This is not what everyone else is making. Like the good guys are not going to come out on top here. Yeah, take what you thought you knew and throw it out yeah, the window. Nothing twist matters. Everyone, just yeah. twist it around, and you're like, holy shit, what do I do now? And then you start watching as you're sitting there. You're like, all right, well, I'm kind of starting to like this character this season, so they're probably going to have a heinous death in about uh, you, <laughs> you know, have no idea one episode, and you never know what the hell's going to happen. It it's definitely just like, keeps you on your toes. You're constantly waiting for heartache. 
Why do we watch this shit? You crave it. Why do you watch it? I'm so excited. Because it has the best character development of any show on TV. And the politics is great. It really dives deep into the characters. And you start to just... You start to humanize with them. And like you're like, I, I can see traits in Jamie... That are in myself. And especially and then, after watching the uh, like preview for season eight and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, someone has really, to win, right? Yeah, or you some really get to see, like, it's, it's so crazy from, from here to season eight that, like, right now, Danny is just off in her own little world doing her thing. Like, not doesn't really matter. Like, you know she matters, but there's nothing going on yet that's really affected everybody else. She hasn't done shit that affects the Lannisters. But you feel her a power start, coming. But you see that she's going to be a main character. Mm. But everything else that's going on is just pretty much like, oh, here come the Lannisters again to fuck it's the Starks' like day up. It's like risk. You're over here in this other part, and you amass all this army. And but and the Lannisters once started. People see how many you know characters you have on the board. They're like, wow. Once this person makes their way over here, they're going to do some damage, and that's finally. Do you play Monopoly? Yeah, I have. Okay. Yeah. It would basically be like. The Starks have Baltic and Mediterranean, and the, like they have like $500 cash. And you already want to quit. And the Lannisters have Boardwalk and Park Place with like 15 hotels on both of them, yeah. and they started with five grand. Yeah. It's like, yes, the story is just going to keep going and going, but it's like how long can, at this point, you're like, how long can the Starks last? You don't know. Like, how are, what are they going to do? Brands Brands off on his own with hope pardon my French, but back. a retard. Two girls who are the strongest of, of any of the guys and two right. guys and, and who that's all they tell you is they keep heading farther away from everybody and everything. And Bran can't walk. Yeah. At all. Like what a handicap is. He depends that? so much on Hodor. You are walking out in the wintry snows far away from civilization and you're getting drug around like you're you're just waiting on Bran to die at this point but like like you said like with Hodor Hodor because he's so big is really the only one that can carry him around at like a decent pace or you know like like there's two little kids or whatever like they show him as kids Jojen and Mira like they're they're not dragging his ass around and then the first season they gave him like a a horse apparatus, yeah. So he could yeah, ride so things, he would but, stay up on the horse. But then it just you kind of lose, lose that, and and, then, and now Hodor's trekking just, through feet of snow with Brand. So basically, your strongest person is handicapped the entire time, right? Yeah, it's just not like this whole season, man. Is just so dark. Like you just you really see that the the winner the winner's not coming out a winner. Like even if you're gonna win this shit, you're going to be. Taken to your darkest place, like yeah. it's kind mentally, of the, the, physically, everything. It's the season where our heroes hit their lowest points, rock bottom. Before, like, but even Daenerys, she starts hitting her, her stride. But all the other heroes, you, they start hitting their low points. But even then, like Jamie, like this is the first time you get to see like a human side of him, and it takes till now. Like he's still not, he never gets back to like as high as he was before all of this started. Like. Wow. Yes, he's back to, you know, he's being a good guy and everything like that, so you love his character, you know, when season eight's going. But at this point, dude, like, one thing we didn't even talk about was how fucked up it is that not only do they cut his hand off, they make him ride around with his rotting hand yeah, on his hanging neck. from his neck. Like, oh, the yeah. shit this guy goes through. And it's amazing to see, like, him go to more of 
of the good side than the bad side because Maybe. everything else could make him become just a complete shit. But that, that's the sad part, as with all the like magic and shit that goes on. Even though it seems like medieval times, you're like. Maybe he could find someone that could reattach that the whole time. Like, you keep thinking that. You're like, maybe he, maybe there's still a chance. And then finally you're like, no. Doesn't no, he say something happen. about, like, getting a golden hand? And I don't know. He's going to make people... It may not be season three, but, like, he starts thinking he's going to get a golden hand. He's going to make everyone pay for losing that it hand. Just, you, it's, such a, it's such a blow to him because that's what he's known for. You've literally taken away the one thing that he was known for. Yeah. Took his hand. It's just, I think season three should be, like, season two is, uh, what was it, uh, Sansa's series of psychological trauma. Yeah. Season three is pretty much just a constant punch in the balls. Season two was like, hey, Joffrey's gonna be a dick. And that's pretty much what most of season two was. Even at this point. too far north of the wall for anything to really matter. Arya's, like, spread out, trying to get back to Winterfell, I think, at some point. I think at this point, like, this season is where you kind of realize that, yes, you hate Joffrey, but that's why Joffrey's there. Just for to be the focal point of anger, because when you're watching this shit, you get more of a rise from Joffrey than anything else that's going on. But he doesn't matter to the story. The only thing that he matters in is introducing the Tyrells. Right. He's bringing some of these characters together but Joffrey doesn't matter but you have no idea of that because all you see is I hate this dude so much there's no way they're gonna ever fucking kill him off (laughs) he will be he'll probably end up on the throne at this point after season three that's where you really start thinking like everything you thought that that would happen you're now like no Joffrey's gonna end up on the throne yeah everyone else could probably be dead but Littlefinger will be right there whispering in his ear yeah he it'll definitely be, has control. It'll be Joffrey and Littlefinger because I hate both of bad. them. I hate yeah. both of them. They'll never fucking yeah. die. Ever. <laughs> and that's pretty much the uh, the recap for season three. Joffrey's a cunt. Stark's <laughs> getting their asses handed to him. Lannisters are still on top. And Danny's finally making her way up. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll see you guys for the uh, season four recap. If you like this, follow us on Twitter. Uh, mine is Jack in the Box 85 Mine's- Filthy Phil doesn't have one, of course. Mm. And Matt's is at Matt Bechtolt. Matt Bechtolt. That's M-A-T-T-B-E-C-H-T-O-L-T, in case you can't spell that, which no one can. All right, thanks for listening. See you guys later. Adam, you going to say bye? Bye.